0: Anna to speak this year on a couple of global issues, and she's already spoken on one in terms of human trafficking, and uh, today she's going to be speaking on another one of the global issues of things that really affect us as, um, as human beings in the widest possible sense. Uh, you know, when God gave um, Adam and Eve um, their mandate, there's a lot that Anna is going to be speaking about that, that um, is built out of that. There's also a real need for us to understand the kingdom is wider than the church. The kingdom is wider than the church. And the kingdom is to have, as we're members of God's kingdom, we're to have an influence outside of ourselves. So can we just, once again, why don't we stand and give Anna a real cheer of applause as she preaches to us this morning.
1: Hey, good morning, family. Am I on, Simon? Did I turn it on correctly? Hooray, success. Hey, I'm going to just start by um, by praying, eh? Hey, uh, dear Lord, we're just so grateful for all that you are and all that you do. We thank you that um, you don't call the qualified, you qualify the call, and that you make me worthy to speak today even though I'm not. Um, and that you clean us up so well. And as we come and we talk about um, your creation and the cleanup that needs to happen, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will stir each of our hearts um, and that you'll convict us to to change perhaps some of the ways that we're currently acting as we strive to be more like you and magnify you um, even more. Amen. Um, So today, family, I want to share with you the story of my Starbucks Banoffee Frappe Cup. Now, one of my absolute most favorite things on the planet um, is ice chocolates and frappes. Um, whether they be consumed at a cafe, um, having you know, good one-on-one fellowship with a friend or whether they be picked up on the way to the movies. Um, The nice blend of the chocolate and the cream, I just love it. I love it. And I recently have been um, trying to reduce my dairy intake um, to try and make my skin better. And I can honestly tell you that what I miss the most is not butter and not cheese and not even ice cream, but it is full blue milk and cream. And um, in January, before um, I started the dairy reduction process, um, Starbucks bought out a banoffee frappe and they were so, so yummy, actually divine. And me and Sister Katie, (laughs) no joke, I consumed about five of these over the course of two weeks. Um, now, for those of you who don't know me well, um, that is quite out of the ordinary Anna behavior uh, for two main reasons. Uh, the first is that um, I struggle to spend money on myself, so ships to the cafe are few and far between. Um, but also, I hate succumbing to the marketing of multinational corporations and doing what they tell you to do. And so, <laughs> but these banoffee but these frappes, they were worth the money and they were worth succumbing to the marketing. They were that yummy. Um, <laughs> But when, um, every time, I, I actually, I sent, I sent that picture to Katie when I was making these slides earlier in the week. I just sent the picture, and she messaged me back, and she was like, when in caps lock, <laughs> thinking, oh, they're bringing them back. And I said, never. I just wanted you to grieve with me. <laughs> anyway, and so we would go to Starbucks, and I would have the beautiful cup of goodness, and, um, I, but, and I, as I was sipping, I would feel, just for a moment, a real pang of guilt because of what I had been learning about in my environmental anthropology course that year. Um, do you know, first fun fact with Anna this morning, that the four million of us here in New Zealand consume 295 million takeaway and frappe cups every single year, and that um, most of them end up in the landfill. In Christchurch, absolutely none of them go get recycled. And they all end up in the landfill. And you may think, gosh, Anna, you are are wrong. You are wrong because I have seen the recycled post on the paper outside um, the cup. And absolutely, you have seen the recycle logo on on the takeaway cup. But... uh, (laughs) Companies strategically place them on the paper outside of the cup. And so absolutely, yes, the paper on the outside of takeaway cups is recyclable. If you peel that off, you can put that in the recycling bin. But the cups themselves, to keep the beverage warm, are actually lined with plastic. And so they're not recyclable, and neither are the lids. And in in Christchurch, um, even the takeaway cups that are marked as biodegradable and compostable and all those fancy things that we hear... Um, we don't have the infrastructure in Christchurch to actually process them. And so every single one of these that you consume and every single one of these that I've consumed ends up in the landfill. And when I discovered this fact recently, I was so shocked. I actually emailed the Christchurch City Council to confirm that I had understood this correctly. Because surely the biodegradable and the compostable ones, you know, they must be. But they emailed me back, and they confirmed it, that actually none of the ones that we consume in Christchurch get recycled. They all end up in our earth. And absolutely, there are a couple of places um, across New Zealand that do compost them, but the majority, the majority of the 295 million takeaway and Starbucks cups that we consume end up in the landfill. And that is just one item. Now, I'm going to fully circle back to um, landfill's, Later, um, but what I really want to focus on today um, is my free pay cup because this is technically plastic. Now, if I had taken this home and washed it, I could have put it in the recycling bin. Would anyone agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but until recently, I personally had never put a lot of thought. And so what actually happens to these products once I have put them in the recycling bin? And as a population on the whole, I think, I don't, we don't tend, I think, to think much past what actually happens to those goods that we put in the recycling bin. Um, Because once they leave our immediate vicinity, we can't see them anymore. And as humans, a very typical human response, which is totally okay, is that um, we care about and we address those things that directly impact us. And so once we put, we've done our good deed and we put it in the recycling bin and it leaves the side, we've done our bit. Um, but in actual fact, um, I really want to encourage us as a family today that what is actually happening to my Starbucks frappe cups and to all of the things that you put in your recycling bin that are plastic is actually something that as Christians we need to be concerned about and should be concerned about. So strap yourselves in because I'm going to take you on the Anna Button guided tour through the recycling process. All right, so I've taken this home, I've put it in the recycling bin, um, and it would have been picked up on a Sunday evening um, and taken to a sorting station where humans sift through everything that we put in the recycling bin with their hands. Um, so they sift through all the glass, all the cardboard, all the nappies, all the clothes, everything everyone puts in the recycling bin. Humans do that. So side note, please wash your stuff, just for the you know, sake of being good to other humans. But anyway, so they sort it. So they sort it into glass, into plastics, into metal, into paper, into cardboard. Um, and glass gets recycled here in New Zealand, as does paper and cardboard sometimes. Um, but today I'm focusing on what happens to plastics plastic, Um, because um, in New Zealand we don't recycle plastic at all. And so once it has been sorted, plastic bottles and products are pressed together and are actually exported to Asian countries. So as a country, our approach to plastic has been to consume it, to compress it and to send it to other countries and to profit from it. Um, So in New Zealand in 2017, recycling companies sent 41 million kilograms of plastic for waste to other countries to be processed. Um, so um, what is worthy of noting, though, what is worthy and significant of noting is that in early 2018, China, one of the major importers of our, of our and Western developed countries' plastic stopped importing it. Because of the sheer magnitude of what they're receiving and the contamination issues that it caused. And so now we are in a really, really interesting place as a country because we are one of our major importers of our plastic goods isn't there anymore. And so we've got two things happening. We've got stockpiling happening. So, this image here, um, that was actually taken at a Wellington recycling station. Okay? So, our recycling stations, because the, we've got a, a, a classic supply demand issue in that the the supply of plastic products from the West is exactly, exactly the same. If anything, it's increasing, um, but countries actually demanding those goods has greatly, greatly reduced. And so we have got situations now where plastic is getting compressed and it's actually being kept in our recycling yards. doesn't do much for our clean, green New Zealand image. Um, So we've got stockpiling occurring here in New Zealand as we find places to keep our recycled box goods, Um, and then the other um, thing that is also happening is because we're getting so desperate to get rid of these stockpiles, is that we're becoming a lot more lenient as a country in terms of where we're actually sending uh, these um, plastic products to. Um, And so, um, in addition to stockpiling here, we are getting quite desperate to export anyone who will take our plastic products. And there is some media and research which indicates that in some circumstances we are selling our plastic to illegally set up outfits and the likes of Malaysia. So what's happening is China has, this is very sim- simplified version, people in China, even though they've got the ban, there are Chinese who still want to operate in the market. So they've gone and set themselves up in Malaysia, um, and they've set themselves up factories that don't have a recycling licence, and they're importing New Zealand's plastic, and our plastic, and our recycled plastic, and they're sifting through what they want, and they're sending it back to China, um, and then they are leaving and dumping the rest of it um, in Malaysia and other countries like that. And an article done by um, Radio New Zealand on the impacts of plastic in Malaysia alone estimated that there were 40 factories like this operating in one province in Malaysia alone. Um, So I'm just going to play a really quick clip um, just just to give you an indication of what it actually tangi- what our plastic tangibly looks like in Malaysia as a result of us sending it to illegal um, factories and the sheer mass of the problem.
0: plastic or the reject product and then they burn in the backyard uh, of the diesel factory. So those uh, toxic fumes uh, actually already cause a lot of uh, health problems to our, to our residents.
1: Malaysia doesn't have waste infrastructure systems like we do. Um, And so amongst the pile of rubbish that I've just seen, and in that image, that image particularly really breaks my heart, um, is some of New Zealand's rubbish. Some of our rubbish is in there. Um, And it's just stuff that we've used once and that we've put in the yellow bin and never thought much about ever again. Um, But for the communities where this plastic ends up, um, we can expect that the smoke inhalation and chemical release from the burning of our plastic is causing health problems, and it's also impacting local waterways as people go and they wash our plastic out um, in the waterways close to the factories, um, and that there will be significant health and wellbeing consequences for those um, people in provinces where we're actually sending our plastic to. Um, our plastic is not impacting us directly, but it is impacting others. And what's worse is that some countries are actually sending Malaysia their landfill rubbish under the pretense that it's recyclable. So if you hop onto YouTube, you will see um, video footage of of Malaysians opening up containers of what um, came in under recyclable content. And it's just rubbish. It's landfill content that Western countries haven't wanted to deal with or put in their landfills. And so they've sent it elsewhere. Um, And a visitor from Malaysia um, to Wellington in December last year, um, she came... um, with Greenpeace to kind of talk about what was happening and the impacts that our plastic was having in her community in Malaysia. And she said, it's creating a second pollution problem, not in your house, but in mine. Now granted, um, there are some legit recycling stations um, in Asia where we're sending our goods to, okay? Um, and But I want to, to challenge you today. Um, and inform you, I guess, that even if, as a country, we sent our plastic, those piles and sections of rubbish, if we sent that to a legit recycling company in Asia somewhere, only about 9 to 10% of it actually gets recycled and turned into other products. And the other 90% ends up elsewhere. Um, so this was research done by um, the World Economic Forum, um, and they researched the globe's plastic problem. And they um, came up with this kind of diagram. I should have bought a laser. But anyway, so if you see the little arrow and it's going up and it says 14% collected for recycling, so that's the process that I've been talking about. That's the recycling that we put in our yellow bin that either ends up getting stockpiled or sent to Asia. Um, only if you say that 8% is cascaded recycling, so that's when um, a product will get turned into something that will not be able to get recycled again, so its value is actually getting decreased. So 8% of it's getting turned into goods that can only be used once again, and only 2% of it is actually getting turned into products that we can use in an ongoing way. That's 2% as a a globe um, of 78 million tonnes a year that we're actually turning into products um, again. Um, that we can use over and over and over again. Um, So, um, 14% um, of the world's plastic is burned. Um, 40% ends up in landfills, like the plastic at Starbucks. So, me and Katie's 10 frappe cups are in the landfill right now. Um, And 32% of it is leaked along the way. So, this is what... uh, to find this leakage, this is the stuff that um, it falls off the truck or it's um, when people go and they buy their Starbucks cup and they drink it and they toss it in the gutter um, and they don't put it in a bin. So 32% of the plastic in our world doesn't even make it through the landfill recycling system. It ends up in our streets and in our world. Um, so estimates indicate that more than $9 billion tons of plastic has been produced since 1950. Nine billion tons. And the vast majority of that is still around. It's in our earth, in landfills, Um, it's in our communities, like that woman in Malaysia um, who's um, experiencing um, waste tangibly all the time, and it's in our oceans. And the best research currently estimates, I know I'm flying a lot of of numbers at you, um, but there are uh, 150 million tonnes of plastic waste in the ocean right now. In the ocean. So that's at least 8 million tonnes of plastic leaks into our ocean every single year. Which is the equivalent to dumping a rubbish truck in every single minute. So I've been speaking now for 17 minutes. So that's 17 garbage loads of plastic has entered the ocean, the ocean, not landfills or not communities, since I started. And the ocean currents that God has created to manage and to support multiple intricate ecosystems are now motorways for plastic, which congregates in particular areas and is suffocating out marine life. Now, who here has heard of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so for those of you who, um, who haven't, um, essentially one of the trends we are now seeing is that, um, as I've said, plastic is coming, moving along currents and it is congregating in, in current mixes in the ocean. And the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is the largest such congregate of plastic um, that we have found so far. Um, and I just have a bit of an intro video to show you about that one as well. Some of those facts for you again, just so that you know, I've got a really good chance of them hitting home. So, this one particular patch is 1.6 million square kilometers wide. So that's three times the size of France, or two times the size of Texas. It has 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic in it. Estimates show, which is effectively 250 pieces per every human on the planet. Its total mass is 80,000 tons of buoyant products. So buoyant product is the plastic that's actually floating at the top, so like the plastic spoons and stuff that you saw, 80,000 tonnes of plastic actually floating product that doesn't take into effect what is underneath in terms of microplastics. So the video mentioned microplastics, which is when, say, my banoffee frappe cut floats along in the Great Pacific garbage patch. Um, Over time, the sun and the waves will break this down and it will split into tiny, tiny pieces. Um, and so microplastics are the bits of the original buoyant product that have broken down, okay, and that fish ingest. And while that, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is the largest, it is only one of five such patches and accumulation zones for plastic in our ocean right now. So without significant action, there may well be more plastic than fish in the ocean by weight by 2050. Estimate show. Now, I don't know if I'm ever going to reproduce. My parents still pray. Um, but if if I do happen to reproduce one day, that means that when me and Anna Jr. are out fishing on the sea on Christmas 2050, that there will be more plastic underneath our boat than fish by weight. And you never know, I might actually see my Benoffe pepe cup float past. Because it'll still be around then. So, why as Christians should we care about this? Yeah. Yeah. There are two points that I want to make really, really briefly here. And the first is that caring for the environment and his wonderful creation is actually a responsibility that God gave us. And something that he has trusted us with. Genesis 1:26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Yes. And our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And Psalm 115 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to mankind. And see, those scriptures to me make really clear that God has placed us, me and you, in charge of this earth that we live on, and its care and its rulership. And John Bevere, he described it by saying that the earth is God's and he is the owner but he has leased it to mankind and given us control. And he gave us a perfect home and what have we done with it? I would argue that we have and that we do treat it badly and we abuse it. We are quite literally the kind of tenants that leave our rubbish everywhere and let the perfect house disintegrate. And my mother, she, um, she had another analogy earlier in the week, and she said that it's like um, that God gave us a masterpiece of artwork. And he gave it to us, and we're in charge of, like, to enjoy, but um, he put us in charge of its, of its security. So if you imagine, there's like a bit of an um, amazing piece of artwork behind me, let's say the Mona Lisa, and he said, I'm going to give this to you for you to enjoy and to get pleasure out of. Um, but you're in charge of looking after it, all right? And as security guards, um, we have let people come along and graffiti all over it and, and paint over it and put their gum on it, and at times we have as well. And that there are pieces of that masterpiece, of that beautiful original masterpiece that God has given us that no longer look like their original condition anymore. And that is something that we have failed in, Um, And yes, granted, I know that we have received the Great Commission in the New Testament, and I am not forsaking that or undermining that. Um, But rather, I wanted to highlight through this passage in Genesis that actually stewarding the environment well and looking after it was still one of the first instructions that we ever received from God, and one that I personally have not taken seriously up until now. Um, But I want to, and I want to encourage you to as, as well. Let's take this instruction, this mandate, this responsibility that God gave us seriously. And let's be a family and a church who seek to care for the beautiful environment from which God gave us to live on and to consume in ways that support its preservation. And let's strive to rule well and not to destroy. Um, the second point I wanted to make was this, is that Scripture talks so wonderfully about how creation and the earth and the sky and land and the seas reveal God's majesty and character. Romans 1, 19 to 20, it says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse, And Psalm 19, 1-4 to says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Very popular um, passage that we quote a lot. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth, and their words to all the world. And you know, there are so many of God's qualities revealed in creation his power and his divine nature and his beauty and his creativity and his incredible design and his splendor. And I could make a strong case, I think, for his sense of humor based on some of the funny-looking animals that we've got. Um, But I ask you this, that for those um, families in Malaysia, when they look up at the sky at night and they see smoke from the burning of plastic, what are the stars saying to them about God's majesty and character? What are they saying? Are God's wonderful qualities and craftsmanship being displayed? Is the environment around them of such a high quality that they don't have any excuse to question whether it has been made by a loving designer, just like Romans says? Do those watching video clips about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch on YouTube and those out there working, removing the plastic from the oceans, are their spirits stirred by a great designer and a loving cre- creator when they see plastic in the oceans? Is God's, create- is God's creativity and splendor revealed in the water? And I would argue, less and less, no. That our consumption is suffocating out the revelation of God's existence, his glory and his majesty. And our environment is more and more rapidly becoming um, of a quality in which men can look at it and have an excuse for believing that there isn't a creator of it. If our global consumption patterns of plastic and other items don't change, we are going to lose this. We are going to lose the awe that... Oh, hang on, I've missed something. Wait. Um, So... Um, I just was prepping this sermon, and I read this article in the Creation magazine that confirmed it, and I was like, all right, got to read that out. So it says, um, it's titled, the God-shaped, hole, the God-Shaped Hole in All of Us. Researchers are intrigued that subjects who watched awe-inspiring footage of the Grand Canyon and other natural phenomena were more likely to say they had faith in a higher power afterwards. Psychology professor Pierre Carlo Valdisolo from Claremont McKenna College in California said, Many historical accounts of religious epiphanies and revelations seem to involve the experience of being awestruck by the beauty, strength or size of a divine being. And these experiences change the way people understand and think about the world we wanted to test the exact opposite prediction in that it's not that the presence of the supernatural elicits awe, but it's that the awe elicits the perception of the presence of the supernatural. So if we, you know, research will say, you know, the the trajectory that we are on, what that's going to mean for our planet. Um, And I believe that we're going to lose the awe that solicits the perception of the supernatural and one of the key things that stirs souls towards Christ and reveals his wonderful character without us having to do anything will have vanished. And one of the key tools that we have in our toolbox of pointing people towards God, thanks to Mike Collins, will not exist. So, with 78 million tons of plastic being produced every year, what can I, um, as one person, and what can us as, as a group um, and as a church do? Um, now, I'm very aware that doing the Global Issue Series, I can perhaps be positioned as the person who comes and communicates about the overwhelming size of issues, but I always, always want to encourage um, that there are things that each and every single person, each one of us, can do to address these kinds of problems. Um, and here is the first thing. Um, Every dollar that you spend is a vote for the kind of society that you want. I'm going to say that again. Every dollar you spend is a vote for the kind of society that you want. See, businesses do what consumers tell them to do. If we as a consumer, uh, and us as consumers, can powerfully influence society and stir change through our purchasing decisions, through our money, if you continue to buy plastic products, Businesses are not going to be motivated to explore alternatives. Um, And they will keep making it and they will keep selling it because there is no incentive for them to do otherwise. We have the power in what we buy. And we just have to be willing to be a bit more conscious and to be a bit more, at times, inconvenienced. And so, um, you want to flip the slide again? Oh, okay, we're bearing with. We've had technical difficulties. Okay, point number one. So as I said at the very beginning um, of of, um, this talk, you know, I am very much, I am not an expert on this. This is a walk of journey that I myself have only just recently started. I have not even left the harbour yet in terms of being a super efficient plastic user. Um, But I have been learning and trying to make a couple of lifestyle changes that I just wanted to, to share with you and to kind of stimulate Yes, Um, we're adding some mood mood sounds. Um, So the first thing that I really wanted to to encourage you that is simple and that you can do is recyclable cups and containers. Do you know that the average person will only use um, a recyclable coffee cup for four to six weeks um, before they get sick of being inconvenienced and they're having to clean it and they revert back to takeaway. So... Um, that is the norm, that is the trend, that we will buy them and be like, yes, I'm going to use this, I'm going to be good for the environment, but it only lasts a couple of weeks. Um, so can I encourage you, if you are a coffee consumer, um, or a frappe consumer, um, to, to be willing to be inconvenienced um, and to bring your keep cup um, everywhere. Um, Katie and um, said that she would buy her boyfriend Nav um, a coffee, if he bought his takeaway cup, and he didn't, so he didn't get one. <laughs> right? Um, but but um, So if you, you, can, you can use your takeaway, but you can also, like, it just, it's, I just find it completely fascinating. It's like people spend a lot of time, you know, how can we incentivize people to bring their keep cups? How can we make um, sustainable, um, biodegradable, compostable options? Do you want to know what the actual solution to having coffee and not creating any plastic is? Getting up 10 minutes earlier and going to the cafe and having it in a porcelain cup. That is actually the solution. Um, And I, I love going to the cafe and having a chocolate chai and just having a read. Like, I love it. And one of the things that I love about Jesus and his ministry when he was here on earth was that he was never in a hurry, he did not strive to be busy. You know, and so if he was here on this planet right now and he was craving a coffee, I really believe that he would go into the cafe, he would make the time to go to the cafe and he would speak truth into the cafe attendant and then he'd have his beverage and he'd go and sit in the booth and he'd like magnify God's presence and pull people in and have conversations with people. (laughs) What an awesome model for having coffee that is. Um, and so I, and just like, you know, taking containers um, to delis in the supermarket and getting your meat and your salad put in them instead of taking bags. Um, reusable cups, reusable containers, it is something we can all do. And every container and every bottle matters. Um, the second thing is minimising purchasing products with plastic packaging. Um, there are growing amounts of alternatives. Um, So, you know, um, this week, my shampoo started running out, um, and I was like, right, we're going to take the plunge. We're going to spend money on um, purchasing um, shampoo blocks from an um, an ethically sourced um, company called Atik. Did I say that right? Atik. And these guys, no bottles, they're just bars wrapped in paper. Um, and yeah, it cost me like $44, which for me, I'm just like, oh my God, $44 on shampoo, conditioner and exfoliant. But it's like, it's actually, I'm, I'm casting a vote for the kind of society that I want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three less bottles, three less bottles will be in the planet because of that decision. Um, and these guys have actually got a sale. I'm going to, you know, they've got a sale this month. <laughs> you know, if you buy two, you get the third one free, okay? Okay. Um, but that's just one example. Shampoo is just one example. I went into did grocery shopping the other day. Um, and you guys are getting great insight into, into my diet and my sweet preferences. I love peanut butter. I spoon it out of the jar. And so I went and got a new jar, a new container full of peanut butter. And of course, I just, just subconsciously, I went and picked the cheapest one because it all tastes the same. So you, you pick up the cheapest one and you chuck it in the trolley. Um, And then I got home and and it was in a plastic container. And I was like, oh, I should have gotten the jar. Should have gotten the jar. Um, But, you know, like developing a consciousness when we are trying to reduce plastic packaging, of going to the supermarket and finding alternatives to things um, that aren't wrapped in plastic, avoiding using bags, avoid using single-use plastic covering. Um, Bin in is a place where you can go and you can take your containers and you can fill them up with your basics, like pastas and sugars and porridge and all kinds of things. You can fill your own reusable containers and they just um, charge you based on weight. So there are, consume, there are environmentally friendly, consuming options. Um, that if we are willing to spend the time and to be mindful um, in our pursuit of being good rulers of, of the environment that God has trusted us with, there are alternatives and actions that we can take. Um, and then the third thing is um, encouraging with our words um, and through the likes of emails and likes, encouraging businesses and supporting businesses that are actually making a real effort in this space. Um, if, you go to a, if you go to a restaurant and they serve you a drink with a paper straw, say, that's awesome, you've got paper straws, I really appreciate that. Um, don't even get me going on straws, Okay. But, um, but there is, um, you know, if you, it's really good for businesses to hear from their customers that they appreciate the decisions that they're making, that they appreciate that their customers are noticing, and that they appreciate that they're spending another couple of dollars per unit um, to give us these options and to make an environmentally conscious step. Um, like and email and support and comment on social media on businesses that are trying to make a difference in this space and encourage them. Um, Because our wallets and our words are two things that can really, really make a real difference. Um, So, um, I'm going to finish today, as you've already heard, with some very emotive music. Um, And I'm going to play a clip that that Mike Collins shows those that go through the Creation Evolution course. So if you've already seen it, soz, not soz. But as as it plays... Um, I really want to encourage you um, to think about what you can do. Um, What about your buying and your consuming can you change? Um, To make sure that the scenes like the ones that are about to play continue uh, and that our environment continues to reveal our awesome dad and to stir our spirits towards him and those who don't know him yet. Um, And I really encourage you, like... To think about, you know, what kind of ruler over the environment have I been? And to consider whether or not it's a responsibility that you want to take more seriously. Um, because I am 100% in that camp, and I encourage you, you know, if this is some, if plastic is something that stirs your spirit, and if scenes like the ones that are about to show emote you, to consider that first instruction, that responsibility that we got from God, and to consider how seriously you're taking it, and what you might want to change to resume and be a responsible ruler. Um, So strive with me to maintain the awe and the wonder that he inspires. Right, Glenn, hit it.
0: think about the service today, folks. Doesn't God, the Holy Spirit, know how to put a service together so that it has a flow? You know, God spoke to me a couple of years ago very strongly when I was up in Hanma about him putting spirit and truth together in a new way and that these two things must go together. I just marvel this morning at the way the ministry took place of the Holy Spirit empowering our lives and then the powerful impact of truth um, you know, coming through to that point. Can we um, give Anna a real hand yeah. of just <laughs> thanks and applause? <laughs> Anna, come, come back up. I've got a couple of questions for you. We, we won't finish with music, but we'll just finish with a couple of questions. Um, I just love uh, the passion in Anna, yeah. um, her her heart and her uh, real desire to, to um, be a person of integrity and to walk... Um, making a difference. Yeah. Difference matters, eh? Yeah. Can, can you pick up a mic? Because it probably will be easier than going on the one that you've got there. Anna, just, just generally, I, I asked you to do these global issues and, and you immediately sprung back at and said love to, to do global. But my question to you is how important are these big global issues that there are quite a number around the planet today to your generation?
1: Well, like I said, it's super important to me because I know that if I do ever have kids, it's going to impact their lives. Um, And as my mum said, it's a quote, you know, know, your generation since 19, like if you look at plastic, 1950, it's a recent product. It's a a recent product. You've got 9 billion tons of it to deal with. And it's going to be me and my kids that have to deal with it in a way. And so it, it's
0: super important. It, you know, that's it. Mm. And, I, and I suspect for those of us that are a bit older, we've got to wake up to that, of how much it actually affects your generation because you're looking at it coming through, you see your lives right out in front of you um, in, a, in a way that we've, some of us, have been able to live 30, 40 years past that, which is... Which is really important, and the church has often focused just on on the on the spiritual side of life instead of looking at every side of life, and we've lost some of our influence because we have. But we need to we need to take that back. Anna, just for you personally, do you see your own career path and passion as I'm kind of just putting words in your mouth to make it brief? But do you see it as a call, or do you see it just as something other than that? Is it God? Absolutely.
1: Um, I, I believe that actually all Christians are called to do the same thing, you know, we're called to love God and we're called to love others yeah. um, but what that looks like for each of us is different yeah. and I know that I believe, for me that my call on my life is, is to help people and to make people's lives better yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, with, you know, whether that be here in church or out in Māori how through Acts or in Hagar, you know I believe that my call in life is to make people's lives better that includes internationally and local and through
0: the likes of stuff like this? So, so that leads really well into, into the next question because, in fact, just before asking that, um, some of the, the bigger thinkers in the body of Christ have said there's seven mountains or seven pillars, you know, there's, there's um, things to do with shaping of culture like a government, um, there's education, there's the arts, there's a number of other significant things that, that and they're saying actually this is, these are all areas that the church should be having significant influence and not just leaving it to, to people who are trained in a non-Christian background at all. So my guess my question is just this, what would you like to see the church doing in developing the future generations? <laughs> I mean, even down to a little old church like our one.
1: is, What do you want churches to do for future generations? John, it's a sermon in itself. What are are you doing to me? I'm not prepared for this. (laughs) Um, Like, I guess for for me personally, um, you know, my what has been like my personal journey. The thing that has mattered. Great deal has been the input from from people um, and the love from people and the opportunity from people. Mm. Um, you know, like the opportunity to preach today. Um, so, in terms of um, a, a, a church's response to the next generation, Seba's totally the person to be asking about this. But I believe, um, as a church, my response would be, you know, to provide um, opportunities. For the older generation to have input into these guys. yeah, yeah. Um, To provide opportunities for them, just like I had, um, and to help them discover their call cool, um, within addressing these global issues and addressing what God wants them to do on the earth. <laughs> and each of us, it doesn't matter what the size of the flock is, each of you can do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Um, yeah. Each mm. of you can, you know, love on these guys mm. um, and give them <laughs> opportunities and have input
0: each of their awesome calls in their own way. Mm. Thank you, Anna. Those are, are absolutely fantastic things. Let me just pray as we finish. Father, thank you that you've stretched our mind and you've filled our tank at the same time today. And we're grateful for both of those things, Lord. We need them. And thank you, Lord, for Anna and the way that she not only painted the picture, but then she began to talk about what that could be for us, each individually, to live more sustainably, to live more simply. On this, um, lovely, in this lovely city that we call Christchurch. And as it's being rebuilt, Lord, we just thank you that you're rebuilding people. You're rebu- rebuilding our lives. And we want to live um, aware of what Anna has laid before us because we are, in your eyes, the caretakers of the planet. We don't own it. It's yours. You've leased it to us. And we want to do the best we can in the, in the season <coughs> we get to run so lord just inspire our thinking and our um, communing and our fellowship together especially over coffee and those lovely porcelain cups today (laughs) in jesus name amen